the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And once you're saved and once I'm saved, everywhere we go, we ought to be looking for people who are in trouble, people who are enslaved to sin, people whose dreams have been broken and shattered, people who think that there's no way out of this life, and we ought to introduce them to the one, the man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can rescue them and give them hope and salvation for all of eternity. Amen. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. As you read through the Bible, there are three cities that you read about all the time. The first one is Rome. Rome, at the time of Jesus Christ, was the largest city in the world. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, he had never been there. He was just writing to the people who lived there. If you read Romans chapter 1 and you read Romans chapter 15, it's very interesting as you read through, there's one thing that keeps coming out as you read those two chapters, that Paul had this yearning, this longing. He wanted to go to Rome. He knew it's where the world lived, but he also realized it was a place that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you read, you see this desire that he had to get there so he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second city, write this down, that you always see in the Bible is the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of Christianity. It is the center of the Bible. And in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44, the Bible says as Jesus uh, approached Jerusalem and he saw it, the Bible says that he wept over it. Now, why would Jesus weep over this city of Jerusalem? Well, because he loved Jerusalem. It was the city of God. It was the birthplace of Christianity. But the reason he was weeping was because he knew of the coming destruction of this city because they were going to reject him as the Messiah. And so he wept over the city. The third city in the Bible that I see is the city of Nineveh. Everybody say Nineveh. Now... 600 years before Rome, 
before the time of Christ, Nineveh, for a 50-year window, was the largest city in the world. There's something about the cities that draw us to want to lift up Jesus, that the masses might come to know him as Lord and Savior. There are several reasons. Write these things down. We're going to go through them real quick. First of all, the people. The people are in the city. The world is becoming more and more urban. They're leaving the country and they're moving to the cities of the world. Number two, the nations are in the city. You know, in every city, in large cities, you have all different kinds. You have people from all over the world. Just show a hand, just to show you. How many people in this room, you were not born in the United States of America? You were born in some other country. Raise your hand real high and look at all the people that come from somewhere other than the United States. The nations are in the city. Number three, the needy are in the city. You can't live one day in this city without looking and finding someone who is in need. People who are hurting, people who are living in despair, people who are broken, people who need to find hope. Number four, the resources are in this city. I make no bones about it. We have a lot of poor people in this city, but we've got a lot of wealthy people in this city. And, uh, you know, we need to take that wealth and use it to and have people give it and so that we can use it to support missionaries all around the world. I think currently we give over a million dollars a year to support missionaries all around the world. And number five, write this down, the lost are in the city. Everywhere you turn in this great city are lost people. Now the saved people, in theory, are in church today. We know Yahweh. We know He's omnipotent, omnipresent. We know he's omniscient, that he knows all, he sees all, he can do all. We know his son, Jesus Christ, and we have salvation. And we know that the Bible has the answers to all of life's greatest questions. And you see, once you know God, once you and I have experienced God, once we have Jesus Christ, we move from a state of being lost into a state of being saved. And from that moment on, we ought to live the rest of our lives on this earth using every moment of every day to help other people pass from a state of being lost to a state of being saved. I started thinking about all the different ways that you and I should share our faith. And I want you to write these down. I came up with five in less than 60 seconds. Number one, we are to share our faith naturally. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus would heal someone or perform a miracle and often after he performed the miracle he would say Shh, don't tell anybody what just happened to you you say that's not in the bible oh it's in the bible it happened all the time i'll show you some illustrations in mark chapter 5 he heals jairus's daughter and in mark chapter 5 verse 43 here's what jesus says the bible says that he gave strict orders not to to let anyone know about this. Mark chapter 7, he heals a man who's mute and deaf. This man cannot speak, he cannot hear. And Mark 7 verse 36, the Bible says that Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. And then it says the more that he did so, the more that he warned them, the more they kept talking about it. They couldn't help themselves. Now, why would he tell them, shh, don't tell anyone? Why? Because if you study the scriptures, it wasn't yet time for it to be revealed 
to the masses that he was indeed the Son of God. It wasn't yet time, but why would Jesus have to tell people, don't tell anybody? Why would he have to say that? Because it's naturally something you would just want to do. I mean, once you've been healed, don't you want everyone else to be healed? So many Christians that I know, they never share their faith. They have a million excuses. I'm shy. I'm scared. I don't know what to say. It's difficult. It's not my gift. Listen, if you've been saved, a minister or a pastor should never have to encourage you to share your faith or to talk to someone about the Lord. It should just naturally happen spontaneously, automatically, routinely, open-heartedly, authentically. Truth be told, if you're saved, you couldn't help yourself but tell other people that you've been saved. Number two is we should share our faith obediently. Mark chapter 16, it says go. Everybody say the word go. Now look at these words. Go into all the what? And preach the good news to who? Now, as you look at that, is that a suggestion or is that a commandment? It's a commandment. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said these words, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of what? I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says at once they left their nets and followed him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Again, that's not a suggestion. Once you receive God's Spirit, you will be a witness to what God has done in your life. Number three, logically. Write that word down. We we should share naturally. We should share obediently. You should share just logically. I want you to take your Bibles quickly and turn to Luke chapter 16. I just want to read some verses. Luke chapter 16. It says there was a rich man. He lived in luxury every single day of his life. Now he was a rich man, verse 20, but out at his gate was a beggar by the name of Lazarus. And not only was Lazarus poor, not only was he a beggar, but he had some health issues because the Bible says that he was covered with sores. And verse 21, Lazarus was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. He just wanted the leftovers, the scraps. And he he must have been so sick and so weak, it says, that even the dogs came and licked his sores. I mean, he's in bad shape. Verse 22, the Bible says the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And then Jesus said in verse 23, in hell. And I just want you to know, those of you that don't think there's a place called hell, right here in the Bible, I'm pointing to it right here. Jesus said in hell, there is a place called hell. It says in hell where he, the rich man, was in torment. He looked up. And he saw Abraham far away. And who is that next to Abraham? That's Lazarus. 
And it says, so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and come down here and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this place of fire. But Abraham in verse 25 replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you, my friend, are in agony. And besides that in verse 26, even if Lazarus was willing to come down there, the Bible says, Jesus says, between us is a great chasm and it has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. No one can go. Once you're there, you don't get to go there. And once you're there, you can't go down there, is what he's saying. So his second request in verse 27 If you can't send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because of the agony that I'm in, if he can't do that, here's my second request, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. I'm telling you just logically, If there is a place called heaven, and there is, and if there's a place called hell, and there is, and if every single person on this planet is going to die, you ought to be looking for people who are lost because just logically, you don't want them to go to a place of torment. And you want them to go to Abraham's side. And all God's people said. I just have to say this before I go on. No matter how lost you are here today, I don't care who you are, I don't care how lost you are. I just want you to know that there's always room at the cross for you. Number four, you should share naturally, obediently, logically, and spiritually. The reason God sent Jesus into this world to die on that cross is because he wants to redeem the world. God wants to save you. He wants to save me. If you are here and you're saved, I believe that all of heaven is rejoicing that you are saved. But I also believe that all of heaven weeps if you're not saved here today. And the people that live in this city, the people that you agree with, the people that you don't agree with, how many of those people in this city do you think God cares about every single one of them god desires to use you and he desires to use me to try to get those people to have a personal relationship with his son the lord jesus christ now here's how this goes down when you got saved god put his spirits called the holy spirit inside of you and that holy spirit does many things according to the bible he counsels you he comforts you he indwells you he regenerates you he speaks to you he will convict you he will teach you but as you read the bible another thing that the holy spirit does is he will direct you and he will prompt you 
And he will send you to someone else who needs to have the gospel, the seed planted in that person's heart. We see that in Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This man is from Ethiopia, and uh, the Bible says that he was in charge of the treasury of all of Ethiopia. And he had been to Jerusalem, and he's on his way back to Ethiopia. He's in a chariot. And he's sitting in this chariot. He's been in Jerusalem. He's going back to Ethiopia. And the Bible says that he is reading Isaiah chapter 53. And God touches the shoulder of a man named Philip. And the Bible says in Acts 8 verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and just stay near it. Sounds kind of strange if you ask me. The Bible says that Philip ran to that chariot and he heard the man reading the book of Isaiah and he simply asked a question. Now imagine this. This guy's in this chariot. He looks up and here's some strange guy coming towards him. But the strange guy says, hey, he hears him. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man answers in verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And he invites Philip to come up and actually sit into the chariot. This is a divine appointment. Verse 35, the Bible says that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 53 and told him the good news about Jesus. And in the next few verses, that Ethiopian man gives his heart to Jesus Christ and is baptized, all because Philip had a heart that was open to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. No doubt in this great city that God longs to be saved. Not some of this city, but all of this city. Don't you see how God, if you're saved, He will prompt you and lead you to go to someone and just stay near them. You say, well, what am I going to say? Oh, He'll give you the words to say. Just follow that prompting wherever you go. Always look to the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus, number one. And then, as you look around and anyone you see, look for people that do not know Jesus. And then you follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And wherever He leads and whatever He asks you to say, Say to those people and introduce them to a personal relationship with the living Lord God and let God bring the increase and all God's people said, amen. Amen. As we close, number five, write this down. We need to share Jesus compassionately. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns. How many towns did he go through? All the towns. All the villages. Teaching in their synagogues. These are Jewish synagogues but he's preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness and verse 36 says that when he saw the crowds when he saw the people he had compassion on them why because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd and then he said to his disciples the harvest is 
plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I had this little thing. It's a guy, he fell into a pit, and he couldn't get out. And here's how this goes. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there in that pit. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall into that pit. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think that you're in a pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into a pit. Newspaper reporter wanted the exclusive story on the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. Confucius said, if you listened to me, you wouldn't be in that pit. Buddha said, a pit is only your state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. (laughs) A scientist calculated the necessary pressure to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him to appreciate the rock structure in his pit. A tax man asked him if he was paying taxes on that pit. A city inspector asked him if he had a permit to dig such a pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person came along and said, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. An optimist said things could get worse. A pessimist said things will get worse. But Jesus walked by and seeing the man in the pit, he reached out his hand and helped the man get out of the pit. All over this city, people living in the pit of despair the pit of depression, the pit of broken dreams, the pit of sin and the guilt of sin, the weight of sin. People living in a pit with no hope, thinking that they're in there, but they're never getting out, that they're just going to spend the rest of their days because no one can rescue them from their place of despair. And yet God sends Jesus in the world and Jesus dies upon that cross to redeem mankind and once you're saved and once i'm saved everywhere we go we ought to be looking for people who are in trouble people who are enslaved to sin people whose dreams have been broken and shattered people who think that there's no way out of this life and we ought to introduce them to the one the man the son of god the lord jesus christ who can rescue them and give them hope and salvation for all of eternity. Amen. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777.
The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.